My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the executive pastor at uh, Church in the Valley. Uh, for the fa- past few weeks, I've been at our new Alhambra campus, which we launched in February. And so Randy is there this morning, and I'm here. And so about once a month, we're going to be switching, so I can still say, hi, good to see you all. Remember me? And you can all do the same, so it's good to see your faces. And uh, we look forward to seeing what God's doing this fall. As Brad was doing those announcements, there's a lot of things that we have going on at Church in the Valley, and our hope is that as you guys get to know who we are as a church, that you'll take steps to plug in, that you'll take steps to build relationships uh, with people, and we know that that will be a blessing to your life as you take steps to do that. And as we wrap up the series today, that's really what we've been looking at, or what are the keys to growing, and what are the essentials that we need to build into our life so we actually can thrive in our relationships, we can thrive at work, we can actually experience the life that God wants for us. And so part of the message today will be to review, to catch everyone up so we're on the same page as basically where we've been the last few weeks. And we're going to pull it all together and look at what does that mean for us? What can we do based on the information that we've been covering? What can we take today as, as a next step based on that? So I want to just to review and, and jump right in. Uh, we've been talking about the essential qualities that really represent who God is Uh, When we've been talking about God's character, we've been looking at four main categories of the character of God. Uh, This isn't an exhaustive list, but these are the key to the kind of relationship that God has with us. He operates out of these, and he wants us to operate out of these as well as we interact with one another. And so the four essential qualities that God wants to build in us out of who he is are integrity. Uh, This is really a commitment to one's word and what is true. Uh, He also wants us to operate out of love, uh, which is really self-sacrificing that serves the interests of others. Uh, God also wants us to operate out of humility, and it's really the the first move that we need to take to resolving tension in a wholesome way. It's basically admitting that, that I've messed up, I did something, I said something, and that was wrong. And humility is the way that you admit you're wrong and you mend the relationship. And then we also looked at forgiveness. And when unity has been kind of destroyed or when you've done something that has messed up a relationship, forgiveness is key to mending that relationship again. Whether it's somebody that's wronged you or whether you've wronged somebody, uh, forgiveness is the key. So as love, integrity, humility, and forgiveness, as these things work together in us, as we walk with God, he wants us to allow these to flow out of us. So as they work in us, God wants us to have them flow out of us in our relationships with others. And as we do that, they actually make a difference. Some of the time when you hear things like character, it can become cliche. Like it's a word that you've heard maybe when you grew up in school or it's a word that your family talked about, but you may not have a picture of actually what it means, what it actually looks like in everyday life. And I know for me, what's been the key for moving character from just a word to actual real life has been what I've experienced being a part of Church in the Valley, what I've experienced of being part of a group of people. When I first came to Church in the Valley, I was uh, wrapping up college, and I was engaged to be married to my wife, and we were kind of looking at the future. And when you graduate college, you get to this point where you realize like you're graduating, and you've worked on a degree, and you've realized that you've been set up for four years to leave and then like work full-time for the rest of your life. And you get to that point, at least I did, where I was wrapping up college, and I was thinking like, what? Wait, wait, wait. This thing ends, and now like life starts, and I was starting to see what life was going to look like. 
and it was responsibility, and it was lots of things. And I was trying to figure out, well, how do I lead my family? How do I work full time? And how do I take care of the things that I'm supposed to take care of? And I, I was starting to get stressed out. And as I came around Church in the Valley, I saw a bunch of men that carried far more weight than I carried. They were far more responsible than I was. And I started to ask, how do you do all the things that God wants you to do? Like, how does it actually work? Because right now, it's like I kind of pick my classes, and the cafeteria is always open, and there's always food in it. And that's really great, and I know that's not how life's going to flow, but how does it all work after I leave this place? And one gentleman who was wise and had walked with God a long time, he just looked at me and he said, you know, Alex, you get less sleep. And I thought, I just paid for a degree, and this man just gave me that for free, and that was worth its weight in gold. You get less sleep. Now, that is also a, a, a great idea, but when the alarm goes off in the morning, you have to decide whether that's real. It's the same with character. And what I've realized is I've rubbed, as I've rubbed shoulders with people at Church in the Valley, and they've shared what God has done in them and through them, the character that I've been talking about, I see a picture of. I see it lived out in the people here. And as I've seen it, it's encouraged me to imitate their faith. It's encouraged me to get past myself, to connect to a group that's bigger than I am, and to allow God to begin to change me from the inside out. And that's what he does with character. And so these four essentials are the things that God wants you to experience, God wants me to experience, with the hope that this will actually make a difference in our lives and make a difference in the world. It's a picture of hope as God's character gets translated into us that we can flow out to others. So that's been key in my life. Jim Peterson wrote a book on the four essential qualities. Jim Peterson is an author. He's also uh, part of the Navigators, which is a, a ministry that's really helped people, specifically college students through the years, and in the military, learn about what it means to walk with God in a real practical way. And he said this about these four qualities. He said, if with God's involvement and inspiration, we would all build our lives on the basis of integrity, love, humility, and forgiveness, there would be dramatic growth. Our friendships and families would weather the storms. So here we get a picture of something that is actually, if we take seriously and allow God to change us from the inside out, we have hope that our relationships, our friendships, in our family, that they can weather the storms. And all of us are going to face storms in life. But it's God's character that allows us to stand under the storms, to survive the storms, because he helps us in it through how he is and how he operates. And so we've spent a lot of time talking about these essential qualities. If you've missed one of the messages, you can pick them up. Uh, on the resource table, you can also check it out online at churchinthevalley.com. So as we've talked about the characteristics, we've, we've really tried to provide a way that every one of us is clear, like, well, how do we actually apply love? How do we apply integrity? How do we apply humility? And what we've done is we've shared with you all the, the essential qualities translated into everyday life, and we do that at Church in the Valley by the heart attitudes. And Randy's been talking about that, and you may have heard that before. But what I want to ask you to do is there's a bookmark in your program, and go ahead and pull that out. It's a heart attitude 
uh, bookmark. Go ahead. Don't worry if you're rustling papers around. Go ahead and open it up, pull it out, and take a look at it. I'm going to spend a little bit of time reviewing the hard attitudes that we've been walking through. Seems like most of you got it. Now, this bookmark is designed to be a help to you. And what I realized is, who really reads like books, like with hard pages anymore? So we don't have like a digital e-Kindle, Nook, iPhone book version. But you could put this on your fridge, in your car, a coaster, however you want to use it. We want it to be a help to you, even if you're not reading books with pages that you feel with your fingers, okay? But on this are the summary statements of what the hard attitudes are, and there, there are seven of them. And I just want to review them quickly so we're all on the same page. So what we've done at Church in the Valley is realizing that these essential qualities are important for everyday life. These hard attitudes are really how they're translated into practical living. And the first four are how we relate to one another, how we treat each other, and they form the boundary for what we will do and what we won't do as we relate to each other. And then the last three are how we relate and how we operate within the organization of the church. So these are actual commitments. And as Brad talked about Church in the Valley preview, you find that these commitments to us, these hard attitudes are very dear to us at Church in the Valley. They make a difference in church life. They make a difference in our life. And so I just want to review them. So we, we look at love as lining up with hard attitude number one. Put the goals and interests of others above my own. All of these are taken from Scripture, and I'm going to read briefly the Scriptures that are associated with them. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look, not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Remember, love is self-sacrificing. So at the moment you put someone else's interests above yours, you are sacrificing for them, and that's love. So many times in church life, what I've experienced is I've been related to people when I've been at home with my kids, and they want to do something, and I really don't want to do it, but I know that it would be a blessing for them. I get to that point where I say, do I put my interests above theirs, or do I put their interests above mine? And it becomes real, not when I say it, but when I do it. And it's difficult. But as I have chosen and not chosen, I've reaped the rewards or really the punishment of both, which is sometimes if I put my own interests, I act out of selfishness and a relationship suffers. If I act out of love and I put their interests above mine, there's blessing because I'm saying that they're more important than I am. Your interests are more important than mine. And the relationship can thrive from that. Hard attitude number two, live an honest, open life before others. This is having integrity, living by what is true. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So the picture here is who we are on the inside matches who we are on the outside. That's to have integrity. There's not who you are and what you believe and what you think, and then you appear to be something different, just different groups of people in different scenarios, in different circumstances. You're a person that matches wherever you are, you are. And who you are is true to who you are. So part of integrity is admit where you are. 
and allow God to take you where you are to the place that you need to be. And at Church in the Valley, we want to help you with that. But it greatly helps as we take off the masks and we allow people to see this is who we are. And that's acting out of integrity. Hard attitude number three, give and receive scriptural correction. This takes great humility. Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The picture is we all have blind spots. We all have things that we do. We all have things that we say. We have patterns of our life that we don't see. We can't see them. We can't work on them because we don't know it exists. And so within the church, God has given us an opportunity in love to challenge people to be the people that God wants them to be. And that's both the giving and receiving, and they both take great risks. It takes humility to actually go to someone, a pattern of what you've seen, that you've seen is destructive in their relationships. They may not know it. You take a risk, and in humility, you, you just want to encourage them. It takes a lot of humility as somebody comes to you and encourages you and correct something that you may have done, and you have a pattern of it in your relationships, it takes a lot of humility to, to take that. Because I don't know about you, but everything in me, when somebody corrects, it, it's easy to go to justify mode. Like, well, don't you know, I did not get much sleep that day. Don't you know, I got cut off on the freeway. Don't you know? And there's all sorts of scenarios. But the humble person is somebody that realizes that I can only grow as people point out the patterns in my life that are not helpful, that don't please God. And that's hard attitude number three, that's humility. Then hard attitude number four, this is forgiveness. Clear up relationships. Uh, Matthew 5 talks about the priority of it. If there's a relationship that messed up, Matthew 5 is talking about you stop worshiping and go and clear up the relationship. You make it right with the person that there's a problem with. Matthew 5.23 says this, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Relationships get messed up. Isn't that right? As long as there's two people in any relationship, they get messed up. It's true. It's how life is. But this hard attitude is saying is when they get messed up, we clean it up. We take the initiative, whoever sees the problem first, we, we take the initiative to make it right. And as forgiveness happens, it really wipes away bitterness that can take root in, over years and years, which could destroy forgiveness, pulls up the root of bitterness and allows the relationship to be the relationship that God wants. And so these, these four are key to applying the essential qualities that God wants to build in us. They actually make relationships sweet and enjoyable. They actually make relationships less dysfunctional. It's very easy to think in terms of the church and our work relationships and our family relationships. It's just one dysfunctional relationship after the other. What people say and what people do, they don't match up. People are talking about what really is, but it's not reality. Hard attitudes are a way of, this is how relationships can be. And it can be true and real as it's true of our life. And over the last two weeks, we've talked about the last three hard attitudes. And these are 
really the commitments that we make as a church to one another. And the, the uh, number five, heart attitude number five, is to participate in the ministry of the church. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So the picture is, we want to move beyond just being a consumer, thinking of what we can get for ourselves. And God has actually given us responsibility where we can give instead of take. And it makes a difference in any organization. Hard attitude number six, support the work of the church financially. 1 Corinthians 16.2, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. This is really a commitment to contribute. You're giving to something bigger than yourself. You're looking to something beyond just what your resources can provide you. And you want to give your resources back to God. And the perspective is God owns everything. It's already his. When I give, I'm giving back to God what he already owns. And that really helps because if you think you own it, it's really hard to kind of unclench your fist and allow God to have it. When you realize that it's his anyways, you're just returning it back to the owner. You actually find a release and peace from the resources. They don't become a slave. They actually become a resource which you can leverage. It becomes a blessing in your life and to those that you help. And it makes a real difference. And then the last heart attitude is about following leadership and authority. It says, follow spiritual leadership within scriptural limits. Now, it gets real when you talk about authority, right? Because you talk about it takes more than me, and you're like, yeah, I realize I can't do it alone. And I realize that okay, I I can't really do this following God thing completely by myself. But anytime you talk about that means you actually have to submit to leadership, doesn't that just freak you out at your core? Right? It's just something that just, wait a second, I'm my own person. and I have freedom. But what you find is when you submit to the leadership over you, you're actually working with how God has aligned and made the world. When you go against authority, you're actually going against the way that God has aligned reality to work. Hebrews 13, 17 says this, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Why? Because they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. So church in the valley We want to follow in a way that the leaders over us are joyful by the way people follow. Why? Because if you follow well, it's actually an advantage to you. Because if a leader has all the followers behind them that are pulling their weight, moving together to accomplish a goal, so much more can get done. And when you talk about the kingdom and what God wants the church to do, Think about how much more we can accomplish when we're all binding together as the people of God to do what God has called us to do. And so all of these hard attitudes are ways that we move beyond just thinking in terms of my circle, my resources, my life. 
Because self-help and individualism, there's a ceiling. And when you get to the point where you've exhausted all your resources, all your perspective, all the things that you are and who you are, you're, that's it. That's the impact of your life. But what God wants to do is he wants to expand and blow the ceiling off. So when you do life his way, your life is compounded. He makes such a difference through you as you do life his way. So this sounds great. And so just for fun, we thought, okay, well, we have the hard attitude. You got the nice, fancy bookmark. But what if we also gave you a bookmark? We didn't. But what if there was a bookmark of like the me attitudes? And each day you kind of had a choice and you said, okay, do I live by the heart attitudes or do I live by the me attitudes? Really, that's actually how it works. Each day you have to choose which attitude you will take. And so here's, here's just the me attitude. Now, this is going to come across as like really strong. But basically, if you take the opposite of the heart attitudes and you focus on self, this is what it could look like. Now, these are mere suggestions. You could probably come up with your own, but this is what me attitude number one could look like. Look out for me and mine. Okay? Me attitude number two. Only reveal truth about me that helps with my goals. Me attitude number three, criticize others to prove I'm superior. This could also be called the how to not make friends, how to get fired from your job, okay? Me attitude number four, rationalize my wrong and hold a grudge when others do wrong to me. Me attitude number five, be a consumer, not a contributor. Me attitude number six, hoard my money for myself. Me attitude number seven, only follow leaders who agree with me. This could also be called sitcoms that are really popular on TV. Like this is actually entertainment. A lot of times you see this in the media and as people are doing this with one another and they kind of are doing it in this funny way, you're like, that, that is hilarious. And then you realize like they are completely ruthless with each other. They don't care about each other. But tune in at 8 p.m. every Thursday to see it unfold. This is what the opposite of the heart attitudes look like. It's living by the me attitudes. But God wants us to experience something beyond this. And while this is funny, to actually look at it on paper, I'm sure all of us could have an experience where we've either chosen that or we've experienced that. And let's face it. We want more than that. We want more than me attitudes. The good news is God wants to take that, which is native to us actually, which is kind of what we want to choose when we wake up in the morning, is me. He actually wants to allow us to expand beyond ourselves. And here's some ways that he does it. The hard attitudes, they actually give us a framework where people grow and relationships thrive. A framework, there's a, there's a structure that God wants to do. There's something that God is building that actually allows us to thrive and for our relationships to grow. And, and this is how he does it. It's found in Ephesians. God is building his people into a house where he lives. We talked about this last week, but I want to review it. It says Ephesians 2, 18 through 22. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So what you're getting a picture of is when you decide to follow Christ, when you decide that he will be the boss of your life, that he will call the shots, if there's anything in your life that he wants to change, you're willing to do it. This is what you're becoming a part of. He's building a structure where you fit into it. You're a part of it. Members of the household of God on the foundations of the apostles and prophets. So you're part of this household, of this structure, of the people that have followed God long before you ever lived. People that have decided to lay their life on the line for the purposes of God before we were ever born. They're a part of this structure that God pulls us into as well. So we're part of something bigger than ourselves, which expands into the past, into history, and launches forward into the future. Talk about it takes more than me. There's a history that we enter into that existed before we did. And there's a future that we are a part of that extends beyond our last breath. So it's built on this, the members, the apostles, the prophets, and then Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. This is really important. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That's what he's building, a holy temple. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So the Spirit of God is taking the people that have lived and followed him in the past and all the people that will follow him in the future, and he is putting you in this household where they all exist. Now, when I was a kid, I learned a little nursery rhyme, okay? Starts like this. This is the church. This is the steeple. You got to open up those doors and there's the people, right? I actually looked on uh, WikiHow because I wanted to make sure that was exact. And uh, it actually is better if I was facing this way because the door, but you know. And th- this is a disclaimer. <laughs> don't do that while driving. I kid you not. Don't do this when driving. I thought, you know that? I appreciate that disclaimer, but if you're trying to explain like to your kids in the car, hey, kids, that's, they're not going to learn that lesson, okay? Actually, that, that's like this really cute thing, and there's, you know, wiki how, you can find out how to do it right, people. And that's actually not true. Really what it is is, here's the people. That's not near as catchy. Hey, I want to tell you about the church. It's the people. Kids are like, what? Where's the steeple? Like, where's the door, you know? Well, the, the reality is, is the temple is not the building. The temple is the people. This is what God wants to do. He wants you to be these people who make a difference in the lives of others. And we're connected to the people of God. We're members of a household together. And just like if you're building something out of bricks, the bricks don't decide what they are and where they're going to get put. They don't talk and tell the builder, well, you don't put me there, you put me there. No, a brick is built together. And it's put where it's put. And that's what God is doing. He's laying us as bricks. And we're an important spot to hold this wall. We're an important part here to hold this part of the corner together. And here's the thing. God wants each of us whether you've decided to commit your life to Christ or not yet, no matter where you are in your relationship with God, he wants you to be a brick 
in the household of God. And he's inviting you into the household of God. Because it's not the temple, it's not the steeple. It's the people. That's the temple of God. And we make a difference and we become a part of what he wants to do as the household of God. Really, as we move beyond me and mine. And that's how the hard attitudes help us. They, they help us move past living for me and mine. They extend us beyond our own understanding of what life is all about. It's true. At Church in the Valley, this happens where you experience being a part of this household, where you experience the reality of how hard attitudes can make a difference. This happens in two main arenas. It happens in groups and it happens in teams. So when we're talking about life groups and when we're talking about service teams, these are actually core of how we do church. Because this is where you get beyond sitting to participating. And that's the key to what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to participate. He wants you to be a part of something. And that means you actually can, can be involved in other people's lives. So in groups, if you're part of a group, you find that there's people that care for you. They can serve you. You can serve them. You don't have to live life by yourself, isolated, trying to figure out how to manage everything. There's actually people that can help you. They can give advice to you. And I found that to be true as I've been in groups at Church in the Valley again and again. People have come alongside me, taken a risk to invest in me, taken a risk to get to know me, and it's made a difference in the trajectory of my life. Over the last few weeks, we've asked people to share their stories of how the hard attitudes have made a difference. And I wanted to share that as well. Here's one from uh, Lindsay Rosman. Uh, she's talking about kind of how the hard attitudes gave her a picture of what God was like and what he was up to at Church in the Valley. She says this, I experienced the hard attitudes by watching church members love my family when they came to Christ. It made a real impact on me to see how they all showed up for each other for the celebrations of life and the difficult parts of life. They chose to put their own interests aside and serve my family, hard attitude number one. This was a big part of what drew me to Christ when I became a Christian. The people at Church in the Valley are like family to us, and they are the first ones to arrive when we are in need. This is what? church is, the household of God. People that are there first. People that are there when you need them. Groups, as they serve one another, as they look to meet the interests of those people that they're interacting with, it really makes a difference. And all of you, as you play a different role in groups, whether you're new to being in a group, whether you've been in groups for years and years, each of you can play a role in just connecting to one another. And so I encourage you to get in a group if you've not. On teams, it's also the framework for the hard attitudes because the teams allow church to happen. The teams, as they're working together, have to decide to treat each other and to operate in a way that actually blesses the people on the teams. So it's not just how you treat each other, it's actually how you work together. Roy Suchiyama said this just about his experience serving at Church in the Valley. 
said, when I, when I first started my walk with God, I didn't know the right direction. I learned by example. So when I joined a team, I learned how to be a working part of the body and how to be the same example to others. So as you get connected and as you work with people to help church in the valley, do what God has called us to do, you're actually getting around people that can help you kind of navigate what serving looks like, navigate what helping people looks like. And that's really helpful. It serves as a guidebook. Lisa Brown, she serves on the nursery team. She kind of shared about how this has made a difference with her as well. She said, I've experienced many of the women on the nursery team putting the goals and interests of others above their own. There have been countless times when women are willing to serve one another, another team member who is sick, even if it means they are serving the nursery for over a month without a break. So in groups and in teams, there's this part where you're committed to each other to treat each other in a certain way and to operate out of these principles. You actually experience hope. You have protection because you're not alone. Life can't take you out because you're connected to a group of people. It's very important. And so I want to encourage you, wherever you are in your relationship to Church in the Valley or to Christ, more importantly. The journey of following him and the journey of you being involved is crucial upon the commitments that you make. And so I want to encourage you this morning, think through what are some ways that you can take some commitments to actually take some steps to move towards what God wants to do in your life. There's a few opportunities I I wanted to share with you. Uh, these are opportunities where you can move uh, beyond just yourself to the group from me to we. And a lot of them we've been mentioning. Uh, Church in the Valley Preview. This is a great way for you to, to learn more about Church in the Valley. But also, it's a step towards membership. So if you're interested in learning what it means to be a part of the team here, you can check that out. A Baptism. You may think, well, how does baptism move beyond just me to we? Well, baptism, when you decide to do that after you've committed your life to follow Christ, you're identifying with a new family. So even by the symbolism of what baptism represents, you're taking a step where you're saying, I'm identifying with my spiritual father, and I'm identifying with this new family that I'm committed to. So you may want to do that. Uh, Groups, sign up for a life group. Great opportunity. It's, it's, It's a risk. Because you have to take a night out of your week, out of your schedule, to get with a group of people that you may not know. The question you have to ask is, is it worth the risk? Is it worth discovering whether what we've been talking about is real? You have to decide that. And then on teams, on serving, it may mean you have to wake up earlier. It may mean that you have to stay later. That's also a risk. Because our time, it, it is important to us. And we have busy work schedules We have families, and there's lots of demands that come with that. But again, is it worth the risk to see as we extend ourselves for something bigger than me, will God take care of us? And I know in my life, as I've wrestled with the risk that God wants me to take, as I've stepped through the door in faith, God has come through. So I will just want to encourage you, think through what you could do today. Whether I've mentioned it or not, just think through where you are, and what your next step could be.
And speaking of next steps, I want to ask you to take out that connection card that Brad had you fill out. As I wrap up the service, there's a a couple next steps that I wanted to encourage you to take. The band's going to be coming up, and we're going to be singing another song and receiving our offering. But as I do that, I've just put two suggestions that you could take, and these are just practical steps that kind of move us from knowing to doing, which that's really where blessing comes, moving beyond just in our head to actually in our life. So the first step is ask God for victory over me attitude number. If one of those me attitudes, as I read it, you're like, oh, you know what? I really struggle with that. And I know that that's not helpful. If one came to mind, put that there, ask God for victory over that. And then the second next step you can take this morning is memorize heart attitude number, pick one of those, one of the seven and pick the verse that corresponds with it. Is there one of those hard attitudes that you just sense that's what you need to focus on this next week, this next month? Is there one of those that you seem, you know, I, I really need to focus on putting the goals and interests of others above my own. You know, I really need to focus on participating in the ministry of the church. So I encourage you, pick one of those, use that bookmark, and you can memorize the scripture on there. If you have any other next steps, you can write those on your notes as well. If you have any prayer requests, we would love to pray for you. In closing, I have one more announcement I'd like to make. And uh, this is really a, a recognition and a thank you. Today is Lindsay Rosman's last day as the Kids Zone Director for Church in the Valley. Uh, Lindsay has served in Kids Zone over two years and really helped us in moving it forward, really helped us in creating a place where families can come, where kids can learn about Jesus and what it means to follow Him. And so, Lindsay, I'm going to embarrass you, but I'd like to ask you to stand, and I'd like to give Lindsay a, a, a hand for her service. <laughs> Lindsay is going to be transitioning to a full-time a stay-at-home mom, and she's expecting their, their second child uh, in a few weeks. And so, Lindsay, I just wanted, before the group, I wasn't going to do that. Okay. For the group, I just wanted to thank you for your faithful service. I speak on behalf of Randy as well to Church in the Valley for how you have really set the pace in serving the families of our church and how you have really exhibited the things that I've been talking about. So I just wanted to thank you, and we look forward to this new chapter in your life. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you are a, um, a living God who is not dormant and detached. You are completely involved in the world here and now. You are connected to our life. You see a future for us far beyond what we can see. And I thank you that you are before us, you go beyond us, and you hold everything together. You are God, and you are worthy to be served. And so I pray, God, that you'll show us anything in us that is getting in the way of us taking a step towards you and anything that's causing us to just hold back from us being a part of the household of God which you have built on the foundation of all those that have followed you and on the cornerstone of your son Jesus so God we ask for your strength to see what we need to do and the follow through to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus amen